Thank you very much. Morning, church. Sorry, Andrew, you waved at me. Youth are going out now, so youth go to the back. You guys are growing every week, not in size, in number, and in size. Have a good one. Okay, yeah, just to let you know, um, Operation Forgiveness, as you've heard, it's, it's an anti-knife crime preventative initiative that I, I work alongside my wife and my mom. Both of them, I just noticed, are here today. Um, welcome, mommy. So we, we go in now. Our family story is that my wife's youngest brother was stabbed and murdered in 2010. And we go in and we, we share the story. We started off going into prisons. And the same thing kept coming up from prisoners. Well, mum and Taylor used to go in and, as part of a restorative justice program, tell the story and the impacts, the ripple effects of that crime and the amount of people that are affected. It's not just a person... Um, it's not just Zach that was affected, but also the family, the cousins, right out to the police, the emergency services, the community, etc., etc. Um, and the thing that kept coming up with the prisoners was, if only someone told me when I was at school, I might not, I, you know, I, I might not be here today. Um, and God opened a door for us to go in schools. I, I work for London City Mission. Um, so as ghetto as I am, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a minister of religion. I am commissioned by London City Mission. Um, I don't know what's going on with them, but they, yeah, they, they, they took a chance. And yeah, as a missionary, the opportunity came up for us to, to do this and go into schools full time. And that's what we do. Started off with the older ones. We very quickly realized we need to get them younger. And it's as shocking as it sounds, we go into primary schools is our main thing. And what I'm, I'm going to be sharing with you from Matthew chapter 6 about forgiveness today. Um, but... I just wanted to encourage you if, you, if you are stirred by this, if you want to actually do something tangible in regards to youth, serious youth violence, um, please see Dom. Is Dom in here? Wait him there. Yeah, see him there. See Dom at the end just to give him your name and your email, all right? Because the opportunity, we, we, we had funding and we created a package to train churches to go into local schools. So the idea is that you book a couple of, a couple of um, days off of work in a year. No big deal. Book a couple of days off, and we will train you and give you this video package of, of mom and, and tail telling their story, and you go into local schools. We, we've got the schools set up and everything. You just got to volunteer. Uh, we will give you all the training you need. You don't need experience. We'll give you all the training you need, and then you can go into local schools in our community in Broccoli um, and deliver this. And we're going to be rolling this out um, with churches right across London. Um, and it's funny, you know, because... I also got offered a job by the Diocese of Southwark. It's a part-time gig, but it's um, it's, the, it's it's as a um, the job title is so long, but it's I'm I'm I'm, I'm delivering um, serious youth violence workshops, I guess it is, or getting churches involved. So the, the, it's, it seems to me like God is moving. You know what I'm saying? The Church of England, like we think about, there's so many things that the church started: the law system, the school system. This we used to have workhouses in this country. You know what I mean? Little poor people used to, you have children used to go up chimneys. The Christians are responsible for so much social action. So why would we not be responding to serious youth violence? You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's encouraging and exciting to see the church getting involved. Do you want me to call my wife to the reading? Or All right. Can I call my wife up? Sorry. She don't like this part. Yeah, make some noise for Teo.
Okay, so I'm reading from Matthew 6, 5 to 15, if everyone's ready. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Thanks very much. Amen. Amen. Um, if you hear me coughing, I don't have COVID. All right? I've had a ch- uh, chest infection, all right? So it's not contagious and nothing like that. But I'm trying to hold the coughing down because people panic when you hear a cough nowadays. But it's, not, it's, not in, it's just me that's suffering. You're not going to suffer. Um, yes, Lord. I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, King of the universe. God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, the Alpha and Omega. Lord, we bless your name and we give you thanks, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we can, we can look at your word and share your word like this. We thank you that we can gather together like this in the name of Jesus, under the banner of Jesus. And, we, and we, we, we don't fear being arrested or persecution or anything else like most of the church does. We're actually the minority because we're not being persecuted in such a way in this country. We give you thanks for that, Lord. We thank you for this liberty. And I pray we would exercise that liberty and take liberty and, and, and speak your word to one another and, and encourage one another and build one another up to love and good works. I just pray that you would use me, um, less of me or more of you, Lord, that you would use me to speak to your people today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, time is, I've got a timer on, all right, because I'm terrible with time. You said I've got three hours, right? So, and I'm terrible with time. So, I'm going to get through it. I'm going to keep an eye on the timer, but I don't like to rush. I want to take my time, but I'm not going to get in depth as I'd like to. I believe the word of God, you know what I mean, is something that we have to examine and we have to get into. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to take too much um, time. I'm going I'm to basically summarize the first part. And I'm really going to dial in on um, verses 14 and 15. So can I encourage you to take your Bibles out and turn them on? I'm going to be reading from the NIV. We are, we are looking at Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 15. I want you to follow in your Bible so you know that I'm talking truth, all right? And you know what I mean? Challenge me if I'm not saying something that you, you, you don't agree with it or something like that. But not during the thing. Come to me after time. So looking, looking at verse 5, verse 5, Jesus tells us not to be like the hypocrites, making a show of being holy. Look at me. And Jesus tells us that their reward is right there and then, people looking at them. That's it. That's your reward. That's it. Done. So Jesus tells us how not to pray in verse 5, and he tells us how to pray in verse 6. Hold it down. Don't showboat your prayer life. 
It goes on in verse 7 and 8. Don't babble like the pagans. Or don't use the most intellectual words you can think of to say a more heavenly prayer that only a select few can understand. Just to make yourself look good. You don't need to shout. And you don't need an American accent when you say, God! Verse 8. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Talk to God. It's a relationship. We then receive instruction on how we should pray from verse 9 to 13. And it's not actually a prayer to recite as much as a model of prayer. And that's not to say we shouldn't recite it because we do and that's a good thing. But it's a model. Look at the structure in your own time. Take time and look at the structure. Give glory to God first and foremost. I don't have time to go through every single thing. But verse 12 it says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And this verse stands out because it requests something from God, assuming something from us. And Jesus expounds on this in verse 14 and 15. And that's where we're going to focus our attention. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This cannot be talking about salvation. The forgiveness of sin. Why not? We are forgiven when we first believe in Jesus. We are saved. And understand when we say believe in Jesus, it's not just an intellectual acknowledgement that he is real and exists because the demons believe that and shudder. It is to put your trust in Jesus as Lord of your life. It's to recognize that you fall short of God's standard and you repent and, 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 and you pursue holiness. It's to change your attitude of who God is in your life. Is he Lord? We heard it earlier. Is he Lord of all? Because if not, he's, he's not Lord at all. And to repent is to change your mind and attitude about God, your relationship with him. To turn from your sin and set your path on pursuing holiness. Sin is rebellion against God. Thinking you're your own God. You're deciding what's right and wrong. Believing that Jesus lived, he died and rose from the grave, you are forgiven and your sins are forgotten. 1 John 1 9, if you're taking notes, you can have your pen and take notes. I'm going to throw some verses at your head. 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he, Jesus, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The most overwhelming fact is not only are we forgiven, we are cleansed. From all unrighteousness. That means we are justified. Just as if it never happened. 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So your past, before knowing Christ, your status of being God's enemy, every sin you committed has been blotted out. God will not hold such things against you because Jesus already paid the penalty. So when you walk around feeling like you're the worst sinner ever and the wickedness that you've done is too much to just forget, remember this. Your sin, my sin, was not okay. And there was consequences for our actions. But Jesus took the consequences and he paid the price. He literally exchanged his righteousness for our sin. So these verses cannot be talking about our salvation, the forgiveness of our sin, because Jesus paid for that. God forgave us. 
This does not mean our sin was okay. It doesn't mean there's no consequence for our sin. In fact, the Bible says the wages of sin is participation. No. The wages of sin is somebody tell me you have to talk loud enough because I'm hearing bad. The wages of sin is death. death is the wages of sin. There is consequence. And Jesus lived without sinning. So he was not facing death, did indeed die. He gave up his life to pay the penalty of sin for all who would believe on him. So if God so loved the world that he gave his only son to die in our place, so whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life, forgiving us our sins and adopting us as his children, why would we need to do something in order to be forgiven? What could we do? We believe because we have faith to believe. And that very faith came from where? Where does faith come from? You, you need to know where faith comes from. Where's your faith come from? It comes from God. It comes from hearing the word of God. It comes from, ultimately, it comes from God. Our faith comes from God. We did and could do nothing to pay back the sacrifice Jesus paid on the cross. And it's an insult to attempt to do so. Imagine you're giving a really expensive gift and then you try and pay the person for the gift. It's, a, it's an insult. You wouldn't do that. And this is what religion can do. It can bind you up in a works-based salvation. As if you could repay God for sacrificing his son. You're putting a price on his only son's life. When God forgave you, he removed all ownership of your sin from you. Jesus took it all. You are justified before God because of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. I need that verse, yo. I need that verse in my life. I struggle in life, you know. I used to, I used to live a bad life and that old man rises up constantly and I, and, and I need to know that. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So what are these verses talking about? Matthew 6. This is Jesus speaking. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is not talking about salvation. It's a done and dusted deal. This is speaking of a way to live. Walking in the Spirit. The Bible says that the Spirit and the flesh will be at war until we die. Galatians 5. Sometimes the, the, the flesh will prevail. And that will look different for different people. Someone that could be a lack of self-control, someone that could be lust, someone that could be anger. You know, someone might have an addiction and they keep falling into that. They don't mean they ain't saved. It's a battle. And we battle until we die. And many things we get to conquer. Do you know what I mean? And we, we don't, that don't trouble me no more. We all have our own unique battles with sin. But nothing we go through is alien to Jesus. He understands, he can relate, and he has promised to forgive you if you confess it to him. Now, I'm not saying you go and confess it to a person. I'm not saying that's what you need to do. Sometimes it's good to share that, but also be wise what you share with people. Do you know what I mean? You have to be wise. You don't just go and chat all your business to people. But it does mean talk to Jesus. Confess your sin to Jesus. Name it, shame it. Lord, I've done it again. This process of naming your sin, even if it's something you keep flopping, you keep doing it, keep telling Jesus. Because it's sign, it's a process that you go through so that you will conquer it. It's a battle that all Christians face. We all battle with sin. None of us are perfect. 
We are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer slaves to sin, but we often choose to sin. And this is very different from someone who chooses to stay in sin. Someone who knows the truth, but does not repent. Someone who rejects Jesus as king over their life. Hebrews 10, 26 and 27 says this. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sin is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. If that's you today, you need to repent. You need to get on your face before the almighty God and surrender your will to him. Submit to him as king of your life. Christians, if you allow a little sin in your life without addressing it and pretend it's not there, God will eventually give you over to it. And that is frightening. That's the fear of God. A little leaven will leaven the whole lump. Please deal with sin. Name it. Confess it. Talk to Jesus about it. He is faithful to forgive you. So the scripture in its context, which are the words immediately before and after the sentence we're looking at, and the context, which are supporting verses that, that, that support what we're saying, this text is referring to sanctification, not justification. The word sanctification is, is related to the word saint. Both words have to do with holiness. To sanctify something is to set it apart for special use. To sanctify a person is to, is to make that person holy, to, to set them apart as holy. Justification happens when you believe on Jesus for your salvation. You are justified in the eyes of God because Jesus swapped his righteousness for your sinfulness. You no longer owe a debt. Found only in the Gospel of John, the Greek word translated, it is finished. Jesus' last words, it is finished. Tetelaste. It's an accounting term and it means paid in full. This is a legal term. Jesus cried that out on the cross. It is finished. It is paid. When Jesus uttered those last words on the cross, he was declaring the debt owed to his father was wiped away completely and forever. Not that Jesus wiped away any debt that he owed. Rather, Jesus eliminated the debt owed by mankind, the debt of sin. The wages of sin is... This request for forgiveness in our text today deals with the cleansing of sin in a disciple's daily life. It's not talking about how a person becomes a Christian. This request deals with our sociological needs in relationship to our brothers and sisters and everybody else. When I say sociological, I'm speaking about the interactions with people, right? If we're not willing to forgive others, then are, are we actually saved? Knowing what God has done for us, knowing the forgiveness given to us by the greatest sacrifice, how can we not desire to forgive? Struggling to forgive someone is not what will mash you up. As long as we're in the flesh, we will do our good deeds imperfectly including forgiving and loving others. And Jesus died to cover those imperfections. What destroys us is the settled position that I'm not going to forgive. And I've got no intention to forgive. We intend to hold the grudge and the wrong that someone done and feel the bitterness. And let it take root and let it grow. How dare they? Who do they think they are? They don't even know who I am. On my notes it says bun them, but I think that would be... That would, uh, them. Anything God instructs us to do, such as forgive others, 
or give thanks to God is for our benefit. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, ask God by his grace and his mercy to help you to forgive. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Do you trust God? How hard is that? How hard is it to trust God to deal with the thing when you don't see him dealing with it? In fact, you see the offender carrying on like life is lovely. Carrying on like everything is done, cook and curry. They're happy in life. Everything is nice. But you've got to trust God to deal with it. Romans 12, 19 says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. We read also in Colossians 3.13, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Our verses in Matthew follows on directly from Jesus telling us how to pray. The context is that Jesus is giving instruction for the Christian walk, the Christian life. Forgiveness is not just for the big things. It's a continuous state of mind. Someone in church offends you. They sit in your chair or something. And you never address it. And you carry that. And that, that will affect your church. It will affect your witness. If you're carrying unforgiveness in your hearts today, it will affect our church. It will affect our witness. God forgave us. And he sent his son to take the penalty of our sin. In doing that, we were justified before God. Reconciled to our holy God. This does not mean that you stay in an abusive relationship. This doesn't mean that anyone's allowed to hurt you and you keep forgiving, forgiving. It, it don't work. No, it doesn't work like that. If someone is hurting you, if in any which way, whatever, you must tell somebody. There's people here that you can speak to. You, you must tell somebody. To forgive is to let go of the negativity, the anger, the vengeance, the bitterness. Justice must be sought where appropriate. If someone just bumps into you and you can forgive them straight away, you know, you know, you can say, all right, look, you know, you might be angry that they just walked into you because they ain't got no manners, but you can be, all right, uh, yeah, I forgive you and you can carry on. Some things you can't, some things it's a big deal. If someone steals from you, you can forgive them, but don't let them come in your house around your expensive stuff because they're a thief. Do you understand the difference? From a real life experience, you heard, a, uh, we mentioned it earlier, it's affected my wife, mom, the family. I came to face with the real, real meaning of um, forgiveness. My wife's baby brother, Zach, went to school age 15. And a gang of five boys had stolen a car and had knives in order to stab and kill him or anyone they recognized from the area that my wife's family lived in. They saw him just outside his school and they chased him and they stabbed him multiple times and murdered him. From that moment, negative ripples pulsated from his death. And I, I, you'll be traumatized if I tell you some of those, what, what happened to some, some of the family and some of the people. But those ripples went out. And they affected, they affected obviously, the immediate family, my wife's um, children, school friends. One of the first people in the scene was a, was a teacher. The emergency services, the police. They affect all the children we speak to when we tell them this story. It affects you today as I'm telling you. After a considerable time, the five boys were arrested and there was a court case. 
My wife's mum, Sarah, looked at the boys who were on trial for killing her son. They had no remorse. They were laughing and joking throughout. And she couldn't hate them. She struggled to hate them. She wrestled with the notion that she felt sorry for them, all facing life in prison. Sorry for their families, losing their sons, their brothers, their nephews, their grandsons. And she wrestled with that. Zach was a baby of eight children, it was, and he was like her best friend. And she wrestled. I'm supposed to hate them. And she wrestled with it. But she, she came to that point during the court case and was able to forgive those boys. She made a conscious decision that I'm going to forgive them. Right there in court. Sarah knew what Jesus had done for her, and she needed to forgive others, and was surprised at herself that she was able to forgive these boys. And God walked with her through the process of forgiveness and grief. And the weight was too heavy. And Sarah will tell you it was only by God's grace that she is here today to tell the story. Forgiveness came very quickly for Sarah, and she no longer held on to unforgiveness, all the bitterness, all the anger, all the vengeance. My wife has a very different story. She also knew, she just, be just became a Christian, and she knew as a Christian she was meant to forgive, but not for something so big. This is clearly not something that God expected her to forgive. She became very bitter, short-tempered, and volatile, and one day her daughter, who was about five years old, came and hugged her, and she distinctively um, remembers not feeling anything. You know when a child hugs you and you feel love, she felt nothing. No love. Carrying unforgiveness caused her heart to wax cold. It was at that moment that she realized she needed to forgive. And at that moment, Teo was willing to forgive and the work of forgiveness began in her heart. And through a process of time and prayer and God's amazing grace, Teo will stand here today and tell you that she has forgiven the boys who murdered her little brother. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What good can come from this? Those negative ripples pulsating from Zach's death. Affecting so many people, this trauma. Well, as a family, we, we turn those negative ripples into positive ripples. One of Zach's desires that he spoke of the same week he was murdered was to work with young people to steer them away from youth, youth violence. And as you've heard that today, along with myself and my wife, we have the honor of Zach's mom coming in with us to go into schools and to share the story and to share and, and, and to teach them about forgiveness. Unforgiveness is, is, is holding on to anger, vengeance, bitterness, and this will adversely affect your heart. To forgive someone doesn't mean it's okay what they've done. It's not okay that Zach is not here. That's never going to be okay, and the pain will never go, and so it shouldn't. To forgive does not mean there's no consequence for people's actions. There must be consequences. There must be an attempt at justice. To forgive is to let go of the negativity, the hatred, the anger, the vengeance, the bitterness. When God forgave us, he poured out his wrath on his son in our place. To forgive someone or to be forgiven doesn't mean that you can expect things just to go back to how they were. Restoration is the hope of what can come from forgiveness. And on the same note, you, 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 you can't restore something that was never there in the first place. It could be a relationship that was never there. You understand? 
To forgive is not necessarily to forget, but to let go. Let go of anger, let go of bad mind, let go of vengeance. At least an openness to restoration where possible, particularly amongst believers. Because we are all one in the body of Christ. So our verse, Matthew 6, 14 to 15, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the Christian walk. Forgiveness for some can be an instant thing. Once you think about it and say, you know what, I'm going to forgive. It's a decision. I'm doing it. For others, it's a journey. But in our verse today, Jesus is instructing us to live forgiving lives. He is faithful and will walk with you through this journey. How many of us in here today have unforgiveness in our hearts? Can I just ask everyone just to close your eyes and just, just about your head. This is for privacy more than anything else. This is between you and the Lord. This is exactly what we do in schools. We do this in every school we go in. And I'm going to do exactly the same thing with you. I want you to think about in your life, is there someone you need to forgive? And as I said, it's between you and the Lord. If there's someone that you need to forgive in your life, just raise your hand up in the air and then you can put it down again. If there's someone that you need to forgive in your life, it could be a relative, it could be an ongoing thing. Put your hand up and then put it straight back down again. Is there someone that you need to forgive? It could be something small, it could be something major, something massive, and you don't know how you're going to forgive them. We're going to start that journey. Just put your hand up and then put it back down. All right, thank you. Please, please, can open your eyes. If you're saved, you, you will desire to forgive, even if it seems like a million miles away at this time. If you're here today and you've not asked God to forgive you of your rebellion and your sin, you just wanted to do life your way and not interested in him. If that's you today and you want Jesus to be Lord of your life, today is the day. Today is the day to ask me for his forgiveness. Can I ask for the band to come or someone from the play keyboard or something like that if we could, if we could be prepared. I want to remind you as well, to forgive doesn't mean that you, 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 you put up with things. You don't let someone hurt you. It's so important that, that, that you know that. Because no one's allowed to hurt anybody. You must speak to someone. You must tell somebody. We're going to invite people up, up for prayer. But I just want to give a moment for the Holy Spirit just to minister to us. I want you to just, just you can keep your eyes closed or open. Whatever you want to do right now. You can stand or sit. I just want you to, to be open. Hands open, arms open, heart open, mind open. I want you to be open to the Holy Spirit. I want you to consider in your life, is there, if there, is there forgiveness that you need to deal with, unforgiveness that you need to deal with, that you need to root out of your life? It's like buying weed. It grows and it just wraps around and it destroys everything. We, the church, cannot be living and being content with, I'm, I'm not going to forgive. That, that, can't, that can't carry on in, in, within church. Now, I know my time done because I had an alarm and it went off a while ago. Are we right to invite people up to prayer? Is that okay? Thanks, Jason. So Luke's going to play um, in the background, but I'd just actually like just to invite us to stand just so that um, for those who want to respond to prayer, they don't feel like they have to squish past seated people. But just, just stay in that place of openness. Jason, thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing a vulnerable message that each of us needs to hear. And often we talk about unforgiveness being like holding 
a shard of glass that is like gone deep, deep into the skin. And un holding unforgiveness is like holding it tight. And that, that glass will just, you know, hurt. But also it may become infected. It will just get worse and worse if you hold it. Whereas Jesus right now, for those of us knowing they need to forgive someone, need to open our hands. It may take time to open it. It may hurt to open that hand. But Jesus actually just wants to come and take that glass out, that, that, that unforgiveness out. And like Jason said, for some, it's instant. You just take the glass out. You can do it. For others of us, it's like Jesus is just going to pick one bit out at a time. So if you put your hand up, because you know you've got to forgive someone, you're not exposed to come up for prayer. It's actually for us as a church family to come and lay a hand and, and stand with you and pray with you. So we, we create space here at the front. Nothing special about it. It's just space. So come forward now. Luke's going to be playing. Those of us who are, aren't coming forward can sing along to the song that he's going to be singing. But let's just come forward now. Ministry team, if you could come forward. And for those finding this difficult, knowing, as Jason said, this isn't something that just happens easily, be assured that your loving Father just wants to, to love you. He wants to offer his forgiveness to you, but also help you. Help you. He is our helper, and that's what the Holy Spirit does so beautifully. He becomes our helper in these moments. So just keep coming forward as you feel led. Ministry team, could you come forward too? Um, also, um, and I actually haven't discussed this with you, but if anyone would like to speak to someone um, and uh, chat about more about this, um, please come and see Anne. She's wearing this beautifully, um, beautiful dress here. Um, at the end of the service, she would love to arrange a time to chat more with you about this. Those of us not responding, why don't you just stay in that place? Luke, would you mind just singing a song about the cross? It would be great. Be good to have some more ministry team. Thank you. And just keep coming forward. If you've heard this message today and, and you, you don't know Jesus, Jesus is not Lord of your life and you, you want Jesus to be Lord of your life. If you want him to be your king, then come forward. Come forward as well and, and whoever prays, if you just tell them, I, I, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. 
It don't work with me being king. It don't work with me being God. It don't work. I need the king of the universe, the creator of all things that are from Omega. I need him to be my king. I need him to be my Lord. Salvation is here for you today. Just come forward. Great. Jason's just going to be standing here to come forward and speak to him. We're going to officially close uh, the service now, um, but let's just stay in this place of receiving those uh, who are being prayed for. If you haven't been prayed for, come forward. We, uh, if you have uh, children in groups, could you go and collect them? But uh, newcomers will be happening about half 12. I will take you over. Please come tomorrow night to our One Heart Prayer Meeting. We're going to be praying into things that are going on in the autumn term here at St. Peter's, 7.30 in the church. Come and pray with us. Let's just keep praying. Let's keep partnering together as a church family and see you again next week. And those on YouTube, thank you for joining us. Uh, do reach out uh, our hello at stpetersbroccoli.org.uk if you need support this week. Uh, bless you. Goodbye.